senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. This is episode 68. This is like our fourth fucking episode this week. I know. Continuing coverage of C2E2 2015, but this is the last episode covering that convention. This is the last of our content that we have to share. We'll be going back to our regularly scheduled schedule. Is that a thing? Yes. It, it is now, goddammit, our regularly scheduled schedule of uh, taping and airing Sunday nights. Uh, starting this Sunday, um, we'll, with episode sixty nine, <laughs> sixty nine, dude, <laughs> with our uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron episode with a, a couple of cool guests. So you definitely want to check that one out. We got some some fun and funny people yes. who are going to be on that show. But in the meantime, yes, another show. I, I swear to God, I don't know. You and I were talking about this before the show. I don't know how I used to do stand up comedy, man. <laughs> I mean, when I was 27, 28 years old, I would go to my day job all day, take the train home, get in the car, mm-hmm. drive to Maine from central from from eastern central Massachusetts, do the show, wait to get paid, have a few beers waiting to get paid, drive home, get home at one o'clock in the morning, wake up and do that. I would do that three days a week. Yeah. And now we've we've done a couple podcasts during the week. With day jobs, I can barely get up the stairs to the studio. I don't know how the fuck I used to do this. I remember doing a couple of shows where I was feeling ambitious, um, but I also was not planning well because I was young and didn't really think about money. So in order to do some some showcases in New York, I took the plane to to JFK. <laughs> like I got out of work. Grabbed a cab, went straight to the airport, got on the got on like a commuter plane. Jesus, got into Christ. New York, did the showcase, and then got on the Greyhound home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see. And I I would get in at like I, I would have to sleep on the bus and then kind of come in and and shower and go to work. Well, it's good <laughs> that you showered after sleeping on a fucking <laughs> Greyhound, or, or was it the Fungwa rollover no, death was, bus? It, it, you know, I probably would have saved more money, but I already was putting my life in my hands enough with, oh. the, with the bus ride back one way or the other. Believe me, if you were asleep on that bus, your life wasn't the only thing put into your hands while you were unconscious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, you did that in the wrong order. You take the bus there and you fly home, get home at a semi-reasonable time. And I, I just, I can't do it now. Literally, I got home from work. I'm like, I don't think I have the energy to go into the studio in our own house and talk about comics, which I love. What the fuck happened to me? Uh, um, I, I know what happened to me. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. It always is. It always is. By the way, if you listen to, to yesterday's recap show, uh, I have not even loaded the Sugar Man clip. <laughs> Just, you will not hear that during this show. Although I may If you it- say that word three times, it's going to magically appear on your cart deck. Just don't even go there. <laughs> No, what'll happen is a uh, Nick Lowe will show up <laughs> and gently, <laughs> while I'm sleeping, put something in my hand <laughs> and say, "Why are you be hating?" No, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> but it, it may find its way into the deck for future episodes, for yeah, like a deadly weapon for judicious use. Because <laughs> I, I, 
Yeah, I feel like a dude who bought a firearm and just goes to the range. I put like 10,000 rounds through that thing, and now it's like, okay, I need to use this responsibly from here on out. (laughs) Because I'm well known for my responsibility. Didn't you once say that you, um, it was something about like you you use responsibility like Caligula or something? (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Which no, is to say you don't. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a, yeah, from my act. It was whenever I get the least bit of responsibility, I abuse it like Caligula. Yeah. So. Yeah, so right. we'll see how long this lasts with Sugar Man. Yeah, this is why I don't give you the passwords to my computer. <laughs> right now it's locked in the Sugar Man vault. All right, that's It'll... three times. You've said the word three times. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Get the lava. <laughs> I gotta clean up, clean up preemptively. So, yeah, I mean, it's it just, it's tough getting old, man. It's tough getting old. But it means that you have money to go to conventions. So. It's true. It's true. So, so yeah, you want to just get right into it? Let's just get into it. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, we have audio, and we're going to discuss just one panel tonight. Uh, was the Caped Crusaders, Dynamic Duos, and Darkest Nights panel? It was the fucking DC Batman panel. It was. It right? was. But it had a lovely title. It, it did. It, was... it had a, it had a title so lovely that when I when I first saw it, I glossed over it, thinking that's going to be some cosplay shit. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> Almost didn't even go to the fucking thing. Well, thank goodness Scott Snyder tweeted that the panel was happening. <laughs> oh, is that how we found it? Yes. I just, okay. I, I forget how we made the connection. I said, hey, Rob, Scott Snyder tweeted that he's going to have a panel at 12.15. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it worked. It got us there. Yes. And it was actually, you know, again, we talked yesterday about Marvel versus DC panels. This panel was just generally entertaining. Yes. I mean, make no mistake. All right, so... The people who were on the panel were Scott Snyder, uh, James Tenney in the fourth, uh, Brian Buccellato. I think I pronounced that right for the first time. It's it's possible the, anyway. They'll, they'll use what his kind of parents would name their kid that. But <laughs> they'll use his name at some point in one of those clips, and you'll know. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, then I never made, mind. I may not have grabbed it. <laughs> I, and Patrick Gleason. Um, but. The reason I say all those people were there, and I probably didn't, this was the fucking Scott Snyder show. It really was. It was. This the, was Scott Snyder's night at the improv. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, he wound up uh, moderating the thing. He wasn't yes. just a panelist. He was the moderator, which I, I don't think he was expecting to do. I think it was a last second thing. And I actually, I have some audio of him talking about how amazed he is that they let him moderate the thing. Yes. All right, so let's go with that. So uh, they asked me if I wanted to moderate this. I've never moderated anything before. And I was all excited because I was like, nobody from DC's there. We're just going to spoil everything. Which would have been awesome. <laughs> but not not quite the way it worked out. But yeah, I mean, it's it's this is like the fourth or fifth panel over the years that we've seen him in. The first yeah. one we've discussed before was his American Vampire panel. Yep. Before I think before he even did Detective Comics, let alone before he took over Batman, possibly with the New Fifty Two. Yeah, and since that's a creator-owned book, well, not creator-owned because it's Vertigo, but creator-driven it was an original driven, series. Yeah, creator-driven <laughs> book that he was alone on it, and yeah, totally engaging. And he was with this too, but yeah, just clearly, yeah, you said it. His night at the Improv. He was recording the album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scott Snyder croons the classics. Scott Snyder raw. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see Scott Snyder in leather pants. (laughs) Because the son of a bitch looks like Leonardo DiCaprio, and that just gets into weird places. I I can't be a part of that. I can't do it. Okay. Scott, if you're listening, (laughs) sensible denim, buddy. Okay? Doing me good? You've got kids, for Christ's sake. Don't get weird. It's my job. I have a cat. I spend his college money on weird (laughs) shit. 
I've gone off the rails already. You really I? have. You really <laughs> have. <laughs> but uh, so and and yeah, I've. I don't have a sound clip for the particular thing that I wanted to talk about before we went into this, which is completely ancillary, really, to this panel. But uh, Snyder, early on in the panel, uh, made some comments about the the relatively new Batman group editor, Mark Doyle. Yes. Which kind of leads into uh, a thing I wanted to talk about that, that has been going on for years and sort of touched this panel and how things have really changed over the years. So let me do, let me do this sound clip first. Okay. Bringing in Mark... You know, DC took a real risk on taking an editor who hadn't worked in the DCU, and he's not here, but I just wanted to say what an influence, great influence he's had on the line in terms of taking risks and trying to do things that are progressive and doing books that are classic at the same time. His feeling was, we need a bad book for every fan in every genre. So that means, like, if you guys want bombastic, badass Batman action, you have a book for that. If you want a book that's for young, you know, young adult, for kids, like Gotham Academy, you have that, or Little Gotham. If you want a book that's horror, supernatural stuff, you have that. So, what I, the thing that happened at this panel, which has been happening for the last few years at various panels, um, and we were probably there at the real beginning of it becoming a real issue, mm. was somebody got up, and I don't have audio from it because everybody in the panel, there was the one time I think everybody spoke mm. and spoke at length about the subject, but a female fan got up and thanked Snyder and by extension Mark Doyle for having books with inclusion like Batgirl um you know trying to widen the audience of of the bat books yeah well because they've got a number they they've they've got a lot of um characters that they've introduced that yeah they, they include um women they include people of color they include um lesbian gay bisexual trans questioning folks so there's there's a, a a wide variety that they've included into the bat family. Yeah. But the weird thing is we were at most of the panels at San Diego in 2011 where San Diego Batgirl got up and asked the same questions except at that point it was less, "Hey, thank you for doing this" and more, "Hey, we want you to do this." And the reaction in 5 years, uh, 4 years rather, has changed so goddamn dramatically from those first few. Yes. Where I would agree. Yeah, at at San Diego in 2011 with all the new 52 panels, she would get up and just everyone on the panel would tense up and either, to start with try and laugh it off and move on to another question. It was the same girl every time. Yeah. And there was actually even a panel where the questions got cut off when she just came to the mic. I, I hate I hate the laugh, but it was it was just so obvious. Well, I mean, the weird thing is that she she had valid concerns, right? And comics have moved in that direction because she had valid concerns, right? The reality of being there in that crowd at that time, and again, I'm a white dude, I'm middle aged. You shouldn't trust what I say about anything, you know. God knows I've got my viewpoint, but the crowd would just tense up and it became really fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Because, yeah, everybody's there to, you know, we want to hear about the new 52. We think this is cool. And wait, wait a minute, why are you making us uncomfortable about this? Yeah. And the, the panel was exactly the same way. And you flash forward to 2015 and instead of we want this, it's thanks for moving in that direction. And everyone on the panel to a one was so effusive in, Thank you for saying that you feel respected because that's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to make a book for everybody. Yeah. The other thing I noticed in that same comment was 
it was it really it felt like people were going out of their way in particular snyder to say you know uh, look, man, I'm a freelancer. I wouldn't be here if I didn't like it. There were times where things were tough, but DC is a great place to be now. And I think we heard some of the same stuff in the uh, the new DC Universe panel where people were saying, oh, DC is really embracing different viewpoints and willing to trust artist teams and try bold new things, which it was just two or three years ago where half of DC's creative teams were quitting books finding out they were fired from fucking books before their first issue yeah yeah we um i mean we have a whole bunch before we switched over to the podcast model whole series of articles where it's like who left their book today yeah (laughs) who left a trail of bodies in their twitter feed (laughs) yeah you know and and they were bringing in new people from outside like uh jim zub was supposed to write uh i think one of the green lantern books and then got whacked (laughs) before he even started yeah (laughs) yeah so it really seems like, at the very least, DC is trying to put on the public face of, yes, by God, we're trying to do this stuff, and we're trying to make DC a much better place to work, so that because you know when fans hear about their favorite creators getting disrespected, you know we're comic geeks, we take everything fucking personally. Yeah, and and it's it's a lot for an individual, the writer, the artist. Um, and I would imagine the publisher and the editors to have to deal with when there is such easy access to being vocal now because of social media. Oh, yeah. It's a, when Gail Simone got fired off of Batgirl, the backlash against DC started almost immediately because she started tweeting about it. Yeah. So there is no company line that can be kept with freelancers on social media. Right. No, just you know, particularly for popular freelancers who could go to Marvel in a cold second. Right. So right, so it just just the change in tone of the panel itself for the the question of inclusion in comics and creators at least paying lip service to no DC is actually a pretty great place to work right now. And I I don't know if if Bob Harris had a stern talking to from Dan DiDio or Diane Nelson's going around busting heads, but it, it was as entertaining as DC panels always are. It was just it was that more. Just that much more of a breath of fresh air. It's like, okay, everyone's fucking happy. Yeah. This is comics. Everyone should be happy. Snyder's right. There should be a fucking book for everybody. Whether it's a Batman book or something else. I don't know why this is always a problem. Why do they have to be confrontations? I had to pay pay for a flight here, for Christ's sake. I'd like to get drunk happily when this is all said and done. Yeah. I mean, that is the challenge. Sometimes sometimes you want to ask a question that that might be challenging but i think in terms of etiquette perhaps the the better venue to do it is if if the creator is signing later <laughs> go well, ask your question at that point rather than derailing well there is a happy medium in between the you're awesome and how did you become so awesome and you know hey fuck face <laughs> That's stupid, and you're stupid for doing it. You, you can work in there in the middle, and then, yeah, I suppose if you really want to be a dick, show the courage of your convictions and do it face-to-face in Artist Alley. Well, I, no, but I think you can you can ask questions that are that are probing in the, in the course of, of the Q&A portion of a panel, but I think if you even remotely have enough, like, social skills to suspect it may be a charged question or a question that may be derailing, then maybe you save it. If you really feel that you have to ask it at all. 
which <laughs> which is which would definitely be much kinder to uncomfortable people sitting in the crowd but uh, but it, yeah with with the the distance of years you got to admit San Diego Batgirl got results yeah like I, I was about to say on the other hand you have to have the courage to have the conversation i suppose yeah then having it anonymously as a douchebag on twitter is not helping yeah when there's a block button uh, available <laughs> to people you're not going to get far doing that shit right so i don't know i just i thought it was very interesting in just four years how different this issue coming up in this panel versus every panel in san diego 2011 was and it was kind of encouraging yeah because i don't like being uncomfortable with panels no it makes my shorts bind up I mean, even in a place like Chicago where they let you buy beer freely in the convention. <laughs> I would have needed it. I would have needed it. It was still all tense and icky. I have all to right. tap out. I have to go downstairs and chug a beer. Be right back. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even really need to be uncomfortable to make that play. <laughs> but if it was the last panel of the day and I wasn't still feeling sick, I may have gone for it. But... <laughs> Excuse me, I have to... How many beers will you allow me to buy in this line on the floor? I would like to buy a beer for myself and my companion, the Invisible Man. Yes. <laughs> and his invisible family. <laughs> they all have invisible ID. <laughs> Don't make me shoot you with my invisible fucking gun. I'll break out the Sugar Man clip. You give me that fucking beer, goddammit. Security. Security. <laughs> Clean up. Aisle two. <laughs> All right, you, you want to get back to the actual uh, Batman portions of the yes. panel? Um, all right, so uh, first thing I've got, uh, yeah, one of the first things I talked about was uh, uh, issue 40 of Batman, yes. which has since come out, and at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about that, but it, it was a couple of days ahead of time. So, uh, yeah, this is just uh, Scott Snyder talking about how gratified he was that the issue actually sold out at the distributor level. Uh, before anybody could even get their hands on it. Right. I mean, seeing, for example, the Batman 40 sold out before it's out, we're, Greg and I are like almost four plus years into this, and the fact that you'll buy out a book of ours, just, we really were on the phone with me, and I went to his voice because it always sounds, my accent, so I, I make him sound like he's like a Jamaican wrestler or something. <laughs> <laughs> my impression of him is awful, although I kind of like doing it where he's like, what's up? You know, you're like, hey, <laughs> uh, yes, you can do it. <laughs> Have we seen Capullo at a panel? Because I, I now hear, I now hear need to hear that voice. I don't know. He was at Boston Comic Con last year, but we couldn't get into any panels because Boston Comic Con didn't know how to how to handle any lines last year. Yeah, I but I don't I don't know. But I mean, we may have. I, like, I feel like he might have been at the panel that was about when, when they were introducing um, the owls, and and they made us all. Well, they didn't make us, but we all ended up putting on the, the owl masks, and it was creepy. Um, <laughs> that, that is possible. But I don't remember what he sounded like, honestly. Yeah, well, and now I have to go to something that he's in. I'm not sure if he's coming to Boston again this year. I don't think so, <laughs> but one way or the other, we'll get to something that he's in. Okay. So, um, all right, you just want to keep moving on? Keep moving. Because, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that particular issue uh, at the end of it all. And, yes, eventually we'll get to the stuff where... Snyder flat out calls the new Batman suit Robo Bunny over and over again. But they talked about a few books leading up to that. So uh, actually, I've got just a few clips of not Snyder talking as they went through uh, the books that are coming up. Um, so yeah, I've got uh, Ray Fox, who's the writer on Gotham by Midnight. Which is a great book. Yes. You that, should be reading this book. That's a lot of fun with uh, art by Ben Temple Smith. And uh, yeah, this is just sort of him talking about uh, the origin and uh, the pitch idea that, that he had for that book. 
It's exactly true. We, we wanted to make sure that there was a Gotham book for every kind of fan. And uh, I talked to Mark Doyle and, and the guys at DC, and, and I said, I think Gotham is really ready for a horror book, a straight-up horror book, and, and a book about things that Batman maybe is afraid to handle. Marriage? We thought it would be cool to bring in some of the cops and, uh, and to bring in Jim Corrigan, who was playing the role in Eternal. It was a risk. It, me and Mark sort of decided to push this, and, and uh, everybody knew it was a gamble, and I'm proud and thankful to say that it's really paid off and you guys are really supporting it. And, uh, and it's very cool, so you can expect a lot more extremely dark stories about Gotham City coming in this book. You know, I've been supporting it by buying it. I'm about three issues behind on it. I'm going to have to dig through the piles because, yeah, we really liked the first issue. And I remember, like, in the second one, I think I kept buying it, and somehow it made its way to the bottom of the pile. I hate when that happens with, with good books. Yeah, it... It is a great story. I, I'm I'm in favor of anything with Jim Corrigan in it. Period. So I'm I'm happy he's being utilized. Uh, normally I would be. Um, you know, his, his depiction in Gotham Central was slightly different. Yeah, but you know what? Okay, <laughs> I, I I will I will take Jim Corrigan any way I can get him, and that sounds awful to say out loud. I love you, sweetie. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Jesus, his original incarnation, he was a dead cop who was the wrath of God. I know. It's very exciting. I can only be me. <laughs> I'll get the blue pills, whatever it takes. But anyway, um, <laughs> as someone who is, is a fan of of the Gotham universe, I was about to say biosphere. I don't know. It's because it's, you know, it's not. A universe it's really just a city but anyway um <laughs> although i like the idea of uh batman kicking the shit out of Polly shore and uh, the baldwin kid <laughs> we're talking about the same oh it's biodome fuck <laughs> stepped on my own punch fuck mr snyder if you're listening there's a, a bat book that has yet to be written apparently it involves batman <laughs> kicking the shit out of Polly shore and the baldwin children in a in a biodome so if you could ask somebody <laughs> to get on that <laughs> robo bunny weasel fight I, I would be okay if it was a webisode kind of web series thing. That's that's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll get cousin <laughs> little Billy who draws in stick figures to do the art. Please just make it happen. But where I was going with that was it, it's it's set in Gotham. I love stories that are set in Gotham, especially ones that that are a little bit off the beaten path. Um, so your uh, Gotham Central kind of books, um, your Elseworldsy books. Sure. This combines that plus like X file shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with it. And Gotham has always been presented as sort of a character. Yeah. Not even sort of. It's, it's it is a, a character. character in Batman. But there are so many nooks and crannies. And I'm a Batman fan. There are Batman fans out there who can tell you all the neighborhoods and where they are and who's in them. And it's constantly mutating. Burnside never existed until five months ago. Right, but right. But there were established places where you never really get to see. And Batman can't be everywhere. So, yeah, these little books that that bring out those areas. I'll always give them at least a chance. Yeah. Um, and I'm always a fan of anything that has been Temple Smith art. So this whole book is just win-win for me. Yeah. So, so you want to hear from Ray Fox what the next arc is? Yes. Or at least a little tease about it? Yes. All right. I think we can handle that. The next story is going to be about the sins of Gotham and about Corrigan and his cops trying desperately to uh, get the city to cool it on being bad <laughs> before it gets wiped off the face of the earth by Old Testament-style judgment. 
and uh, so we're going to explore exactly how bad Gotham City gets. Well, if that shit's going to happen, it's probably good that they have Jim Corrigan on staff. One would think. <laughs> yeah, one would think. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, God. All right. Somebody trying to make Gotham be good. Even Batman doesn't do that. No. He just tries to. You just respect Gotham. You just. <laughs> yeah. Batman is a cancer cure in Gotham. I'm going to try to kill the dead cells and see if the rest comes back to life. Yeah. Uh, someone saying, no, be good. Yeah. All right. I I'm willing to take a look at that. It seems to me that that's kind of like, like prodding the monster. <laughs> yeah. You're poking it with a sharp stick and cackling. Yeah. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> Please don't make that sound again. <laughs> tonk, tonk, tonk. Because <laughs> when, when we do the show, it goes right into my headphones, and it goes directly into my brain. It's like you're hacking my brain stem. I'm so sorry. That's all right. <laughs> it's a terrible sound. Hey! Poke, poke. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I do have one uh, Brian Bucciolato. Again, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But uh, I do have one clip where he uh, teases, and it's a very brief tease about uh, what is coming up in Detective Comics. Uh, we really wanted to uh, focus on the detective side, and so we have a lot of Harvey. Uh, uh, we have a lot of Harvey in our previous stories, and I can't really spoil much coming up, but uh, there'll be a lot of Harvey and uh, Montoya. Hot, sweet Harvey Montoya. At, no, it seems very unlikely that, based on both characters. That's a sentence that has never been uttered in the world, except maybe on some <laughs> awful slash fic somewhere. I'm sure there's a website that, that features hot bullocks action, oh, but I don't think it's the same thing. Hot bullocks action. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can sneak that past iTunes. Some weeks it seems like that's our only goal in life, <laughs> is to find the, the most borderline obscene title and try and sneak it past Cupertino. <laughs> But I think we've been very successful some weeks. We, we've done all right, but the spotted dick title, even that I self-centered. I knew that one wasn't going through. But all right. So, yeah, I mean, if you've been to any of these panels, uh, you know, that's sort of the the hype and everybody gets to talk about their, their book up front. And at this point, uh, yeah, this is where uh, Scott Snyder starts talking about the changes that are coming to Batman, starting yes. with Free Comic Book Day and Batman 41, where it's a whole new dude in the suit. I know we've talked about it before, but uh, in case you weren't spoiled by that show and you haven't been spoiled by anything anything else about who is in the suit, why don't we just let that slide for this you're episode? Unspoiled, pure as driven snow. Turn not away if, now. Not if you're listening to this show. Yeah. <laughs> You've already got problems well beyond. Give you, up, go grab another drink and listen to the spoiler. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're spoiled, but not in a story way. You've got problems that nobody can cure. But so, yeah. All right. So, actually, do, did I do this one? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, let me try. If I, if I already played this one, then uh, I'm a shitty disc jockey. Let's just do it, right? Let's talk about it. So, 41 and Batman, we are definitely trying something very new. Um, I know you've seen pictures of the suit and that kind of stuff, the Robo Bunny suit, the, all of that. Greg loves that. I love that he just cops to it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it fucking looks like from the one teaser image. It that really came does. Out. And we did see a few images in this panel where it's you know okay, it's it's not quite as bad. It's certainly not. Yeah, it's more like the tick. Yeah, it's certainly not what <laughs> <laughs> you've said that before. And yes, I see that. But it, it's certainly not what you think of when you think of Batman. No. And we will certainly uh, get to 
at least intimations as to how long this may go on uh, as we go through some more of this audio. But but yeah, I, I just love that he cops to it. Yeah, okay, it's the Robo Bunny. You guys call it that. He's always like, he's like, hey, Elmore Fudd's gonna be the next villain. <laughs> It's a little fucking funny, it's, Scott. It's kind of funny. So, so yeah, I mean, he just, he basically cops to it. Uh, let me see. Yeah, all right. Um, Remind me when we get further on in the episode, I need to skip back because I got a couple clips in here uh, specifically about Endgame, and let's do those just before we talk about the book. Okay. I hate to do record keeping live on the air, but fuck it, I'm, I'm a terrible disc jockey. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's go to Snyder talking a little more about Robo Bunny, and he defends the idea and he defends it eloquently yes we talked uh on our recap show that we aired last sunday that i felt much better about the idea that based on some of the stuff that that we're going to play here so here's his his first not defense but justification as to uh why he's doing it and frankly in this clip it's proof once again that dc panels are just fucking funnier than marvel panels <laughs> they just are when I, as I was getting towards the end, I realized there was a way to maybe change the bat line in a certain way and try something new. We just decided, we, you know, the, the line right now is all about risk. It's all about trying things that basically change up the bat line. You know, whether you're talking about Gotham by Midnight, you're talking about the great things they're doing on Detective, whether you're talking about the risks James and them took on Eternal. We're all trying to do things that change the bat mythology, but I would tell you this, like if you take one thing away from the panel, like on my kids, my kids were supposed to come and I just got a text from my wife being like, they're afraid of the crowds, they're not coming, I think. I know, my, my little kid, my eight-year-old was gonna cosplay Deathstroke, which is like, I don't even know where he heard of Deathstroke, and then I'm like, that would be like the least effective assassin of all time, he's like three feet tall, or super effective, because you don't see him coming. But the thing is, um, I would swear to my kids that, that we would never, any of us, change anything if we didn't think we were giving you better story that was true to core of these characters through those changes. Which is a hell of a long way to go for, yeah, he looks like RoboCop, but... With bunny ears. <laughs> with, with a RoboCop with bunny ears, yeah. But um, you can you can tell he, he feels strongly about it. Yes. And, yeah, that Deathstroke gag is just fucking funny. His, you know? his, his children did eventually show up and... and... He was the most adorable Deathstroke ever. <laughs> yes, he was. But that's what you get at DC panels. You know what you get at Marvel panels? Don't. <laughs> don't. I don't have it loaded up. <laughs> I don't. I wish I did just for that one moment. I wish I did, but I don't have it. Um, Everything's so... a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a lie. It's the truth. Just because you can't. Ha I can't do that impression. Yeah, just... But All right. So uh, I've got another clip where uh, this is actually what kind of turned me around to say, okay, I'm willing to give this a chance. Because um, number one, it, it makes an analogy to another recent comic that a lot of people had strong opinions about. But it also basically flat out says, this is not going to last forever, so so everybody be cool. For me, an example, like Superior Spider-Man, right? I, love, I, was just out, I had pizza last night with Dan Slott. He was very funny, by the way. He loves pizza. But the thing is that... <laughs> pizza and hookers. <laughs> What else are you going to do in Chicago? What did we do in Chicago? We had pizza exactly once, and then, then we crawled back to the hotel and lay down while, while the blood rushed to our bellies and we lay fetal. Yeah, see? She we should have gotten hookers after. Burn it off. I, I don't have a response to that. Nah, neither do I. I don't. Pizza was great pizza. Um, but what I'd say is that uh, 
Superior Spider-Man, right? That's where it's like, you know, uh, uh, Otto Octavius becomes Spider-Man, but it's a love letter to Peter Parker, meaning it, the story is about why Peter Parker can only ever be Spider-Man. It's like you're taking a vacation because you want to see how great home is. You understand? So what I'm saying is anything we change, anything we try, is always in service of our own love of the core of these characters. We never change anything for sensational reasons. I'd never be like, guess what? Bruce is Batgirl now. I would read that for one issue, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, yeah, just comparing it to Superior Spider-Man and, uh, you know, look back to, was it the end of 2012 where uh, Spider-Man 700 and the death of Peter Parker? Yep. And uh, th there was just such an uproar. And uh, look, I've been reading comics for 35 years at this point, just about almost 40 years. Oh, Jesus, euthanize me. I have no more purpose in life. But Your purpose is to read more comics. Apparently, because that's pretty much all I do all the time. <laughs> but yeah, so I was old enough to know it's comics. He's not going to stay dead. Nobody stays dead. Uncle Ben stays dead. Even the dead wake up to do cameos. Uncle Ben did a cameo in a dream <laughs> sequence in Amazing Spider-Man 700. And we just saw a version of him in Spider-Verse. Even the dead come back to say hi. <laughs> I mean, shit. We, we, technically, we saw Martha Wayne in, in, uh, we saw part in of Batman right 40. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we're totally going to spoil that part of the book because I got a clip here that spoils that part of the book. But uh, but yeah, it's the uproar of, oh my God, you're ruining everything. And I felt that way when it was Azrael Batman because I was younger and hadn't really seen a major character die and come back except Superman. And even then it wasn't a death and, and coming back. He was crippled. I had the same reaction after Final Crisis when, when it was, you know, okay, Bruce is dead. We're, we're watching Dick Grayson run around as Batman for a while. And it was just like... I, I'm not buying. I, I like Dick Grayson. I buy him in his own book. <laughs> uh, yeah, but by I was old enough by then. Also, I, I saw through that one, and I knew it was gonna because we we'd seen it. Yeah, we'd seen it with Azrael Batman. But yeah, I mean, people get so worked up about it. But you know, to hear basically reading between the lines on what we just heard from Scott Snyder, it, it's not gonna be forever. So, you know. But uh, all right. So no, I thought I thought what he said was was very eloquent and and empathetic. I said this in in our wrap up show the other day. Right. And it's the empathy piece that comes across. And I I recognize. And I, I think it's great that he named name checked Dan Slot because if there's anybody who has clearly done some things in the service of telling what ends up being a great story but almost does feel somewhat sensational or sensationalized because of the hype around it that spilled out into social media. <laughs> and yeah. Slot actually made a good point because he was talking about in his panel how he was hanging out with Jerry Conway. <laughs> and right. and Conway told him, you know, he he's the perfect Spidey writer for the social media age because if social media had been around when he was writing and he killed off Gwen Stacy. <laughs> oh, they'd have butchered him. Yeah. They'd have eaten him alive. But I, I just, I appreciated how how um, Snyder came across in his comments here. Well, the the funny thing to me is, I read on Newsarama today uh, an interview that they did with Snyder and Greg Capullo, and Snyder talks about he asked Slot, it's like, well, how how do you think I should handle this coming out of 
Endgame, you know, Batman okay. 40. And he said, uh, Slot just said, it's like, nope, you tell everyone Bruce Wayne's dead. <laughs> and it's like, it's like Snyder is congenitally unable to just leave it that way. He basically just said in this. It's, it's, yeah, it's, but I think that's the, that's, that is the fundamental difference of, between the two. And, it, and, and Slot has no problem to saying, nope, he's dead, boom, murdered. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, I don't know if he's aware or not about how that can kind of come off as tone deaf. Certainly yeah. there's been some unkind fans who have, have tweeted back at him and, and, and fuck those guys. You don't need to be unkind, well, <laughs> but, but it come it does come off as a bit of a fuck you to some fans when you choose to go that route. It can, but, and we've talked about this in another one of our recap shows, you know, social media is not comics. You know, people, how they come across in social media is not necessarily who they are. But let me just walk that back. You just sort of recapped an article where, not over social media, in conversation to Snyder, Slot just said, tell him Batman's dead and that's it. That's <laughs> Well, from for serial fiction, the cliffhanger doesn't work. If you're if you're going for a cliffhanger, it doesn't work if you say, "Don't worry, he'll be fine next week." It's just it's not a great cliffhanger. Maybe this is the part where where Snyder is the the father of some young children, <laughs> and that may well be part of it. And I think on an emotional level, he kind of understands where some of the fans are at regarding these stories. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying we're children? No, I'm just saying there's a certain way you talk to an individual sometimes when you know that they're upset <laughs> and and it it isn't the worst thing sometimes to to ask someone to to just think ahead and be cool you just want to suck that joy out of everything <laughs> that's no, the will wheaton principle don't be a dick it, <laughs> yes which, which i understand it's uh, what i'm saying is I, I don't really care about the social media as a way to get little tidbits from creators that I like. It's fine. You know, if someone is an asshole on social media, I certainly won't at them. I certainly don't want to speak to them. It's the, it's the Harlan Ellison idea. Yeah. I love Harlan Ellison science fiction writing. I should not be put in a room with Harlan Ellison. <laughs> I've got nothing I want to say to him. I don't want to fucking hear from him. He'd think I was a dick. It would be reciprocated. We'd go on our way pissed. He, he's fine in book form. <laughs> On my bookshelf. So, if yeah, I certainly won't talk to somebody on social media if I think they're going to snap at me or, or make fun of me. But that has nothing to do with the art. It's the artist and the art. And doesn't I don't give a hoot in hell if Dan Slott were to scream racial epithets and post dick pics on his Twitter as long as the Spider-Man books are good. The, and that said, please don't fucking do that, Dan. <laughs> Spider Dick. Spider Dick. <laughs> we just did a dick title. We can't do two in two episodes. <laughs> All right. So beyond that. Um, yeah, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a got a clip here. Um this is a major change to Batman, be it temporary or not. Um so Snyder talks a little bit about how he got buy in from the rest of the creators on the uh, the Batman line. What we did as a team was it, so I came up with this idea of how to change things, possibly. And then we had a bat summit. And they could vouch, like, we came to the bat summit. I was like, I have an idea. So I pitched it to them. 
And I was like, I promise. And I said, what was that idea? Pizza and hookers. <laughs> I said, if you guys hate it, we don't have to do it. I said, if you guys think you have a better story for your characters, for Barbara Gordon, for Harvey Bullock, for uh, Damien, if you have better story on the other side of it, let's do it. Because I have better story for Bruce and better story for the characters of Batman. But if you don't, we won't do it. And so we talked about it, and they were great. They were really supportive. So, I mean, at the very least, it, it sounds like the entire line from the editor on down is committed to the idea and thinks it's a solid idea, at least on a temporary basis. And I will try anything on a temporary basis. Yeah. You know, a Batman in a suit of armor. <laughs> well, even that's the weird thing. We all saw that first picture. We did a fucking show where half of it was about the new Batman picture along with the new Wonder Woman Superman right. you know, in his T-shirt and jeans. <laughs> um, it's it's one of those things that, oh, that's stupid. That's not Batman. You know, how the hell are you going to do Batman shit in that? But uh, actually, the next clip I have, uh, it's uh, Snyder talks a little bit about how this Batman is going to operate and, and some of the visuals that we're going to see. And it, it actually does not sound, it doesn't sound too bad, man. He actually hangs upside down from the blimp, and when he hangs like a bat, and when it's time to go to action, he just drops and comes down. It's pretty, it's pretty badass, honestly. <laughs> and the bat signal shines down that way. So it's really, it's really fun. It's like an inversion of everything that you've seen before with the bat symbol shining up, and Batman sort of appearing, appearing from the streets. This way is the opposite. So if everything's inverted, those aren't bunny ears. Those are two bat wangs just sort of sticking off the top of Christ. I'm stupid. I shouldn't be allowed on the internet. It misses this one and this one and comes after you. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, that, that sounds kind of interesting, a different kind of way of operating. I'm, yeah. I'm for that. Batman shining a light as it were, as opposed to responding to a signal. Yeah. And one of the things I bitched about when we did the episode, when the first Robo Bunny picture came out, was he's clearly carrying a giant. What appears to be a gun. It's a gun. There's no question it's a gun. There was smoke coming out of the goddamn thing in the image. But And we talked about this. This is, if you listen to our prior recap, uh, we spoiled uh, this particular spoiler. So you've been well spoiled. So here's what that gun actually is. But I got a lot of flack from people saying Batman doesn't use a gun. It is a battering gun, so you know, um, which I love. I sort of love the battering gun. It shoots electrified batterings into people. And pizza and hookers into people. It's an excellent weapon. Can I have a battering gun? Um, <laughs> are you gonna fire pizza and hookers at me? I don't know, but I'm 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 gonna have to go on Amazon and see if it's like on there. I put it on my wish list. Yeah, you can't have a battering gun because sometimes you drink whiskey, and that's not a good thing. That's not a thing I want to have in the home office. Are you saying I wouldn't take advantage of something that I should be responsible about responsibly? Yeah, there's a reason we're together. We have very similar <laughs> backgrounds. When it comes to that, look, I'm are you my... saying I would fire it indiscriminately at the neighbor children? If by neighbor children, you mean my testicles <laughs> when I forget to put the toilet seat down. Yes, I think you would do clip. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, it might be a mutually assured destruction at that point. <laughs> but either way, this this place is too small for detente. Can't we all just get along for Christ's sake? I want the battering gun for the zombie apocalypse. I don't think that's wrong. Did. You don't need a batarang gun to aim for the head. We'll get you a, a zip gun or a machete or th there's a baseball bat you know, somewhere in this room, I think. <laughs> for it sake, has a bat signal on it. There's a ski. Yes, there is. Yeah, I kept that from high school. 
fine. I'll just use my lightsaber. That's why I was so fucking popular in high school. I had a baseball bat. Somebody painted the bat signal on. I'm just going to leave that there. I was swirling regularly. <laughs> high school in the 80s, if you were a comic book fan, it was not the golden age it is right now, kids. I bet you wish you had a Batarang gun then, didn't you? Oh, not a Batarang gun. <laughs> I, I had lists and plans that would have landed me in jail if I went to high school today. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone too far. I always go too far. So when it comes to uh, to Robo Bunny, uh, one last clip on, on how Snyder sees the whole thing. He doesn't look that bunny-ish when he goes into action. <laughs> That's pretty badass. That's pretty Gundam. <laughs> Gundam, huh? <laughs> It's uh, it's not particularly my cup of tea. I'm Shogun Warriors through and through. Give me some Micronauts. Now we can talk. G-Force. That's my translation. I should offer a translation service for older <laughs> geeks. Gundam? No, man. That's uh, that's Shogun Warriors. Dra <laughs> Dragon Ball Z? Uh, no, that's a Battle of the Planets. Trust me. It's the same goddamn thing. <laughs> I think I found a new career. Geek translator. <laughs> <laughs> Have some business cards made up. <laughs> Why not? Vista Prince cheap. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, um, that is not true. I do have one more uh, clip here from Snyder about uh, the Robo Bunny, uh, and it, it is about the the suit itself. Because, yeah, I mean, part of what everybody was upset about, what I was upset about when I first saw it, was that's not Batman. That's we'll we'll use Scott's own parlance. That's a goddamn Gundam suit. But uh, apparently that is not all that is going on. I know there's a lot of talk about, like, how does Batman function as a detective in, like, a giant robot suit, you know? And then we actually make a joke about it in 41 where Harvey says that. He's like, have you seen Harvey Bullock? He's like, have you seen the thing you're building? They don't make trench coats in, like, 10 feet tall. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, how's that thing ever going to sneak around? And how do you pee? There's no zipper on it. How do you pee? Oh, you're peeing right now, aren't you? Fremen Lake? <laughs> if it was a still suit, I would buy the hell out of this fucking issue. But, spoiler, there is a suit underneath the suit. There is a there is a bad suit underneath the robo-bunny suit. It's a poor bunny. It's just a bunny. <laughs> Recursive bunnies. Oh, God. They're everywhere. Now, it's it's weird. Not a month ago when we were talking about, I, I think uh, we reviewed Batman 39. Yep. Might have been 38. So in the last month or two. I was very close to saying, wasn't even very close. I was saying Snyder is is losing me. I don't think he really, I don't think he really understands Batman. I mean, if this is what he's doing with the Joker, this immortal pale man that he's implying, and particularly after Zero Year, that I recognize I'm in the minority, but it just didn't do very much for me. If this is the direction he's going, and now we're seeing this robot suit we are we are cruising off into gotham harbor to jump a shark yeah it was all uh, aboard he, he was really losing my confidence but the the combination of admitting it this is not going to last forever this is a way to examine the core and eventually we'll get back to the status quo he didn't exactly say that but there was enough there you'd have to be 
Matt Murdock to not be able to read between the lines. Yeah. And to show the understanding that, yes, it's a big robot suit, but trust me, there's a Batman under there, a more recognizable Batman. Yeah, and particularly with how issue 40 actually, how Endgame ended up, I'm back in his corner. Yeah. You know, between delivering on the actual book and this panel, he he got 99% of my confidence back. So I'm I'm really... It, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm excited. A new dude in a robot suit, but I definitely want to see what's gonna what's gonna happen. I'm kind of hoping it's Penny too. <laughs> well, I think we already spoiled it. Did we? I I know that the 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 identity is out there somewhere, and I've uh, managed to avoid it. I'm not sure that's possible because I think we spoiled it on this show. Was that one where you were drinking? Maybe because we've had one or two where I have a couple of beers and. <laughs> you decide it's go time. I like Chardonnay. Yeah, you you certainly do. So <laughs> <laughs> there was other stuff that he talked about. That's really the guts of of everything he talked about with uh with what's coming up. Um, actually, uh, no, there there is one other thing. Apparently, they're not gonna hold very much back. They're going to completely talk about the status quo. Uh, really, you're not gonna have to wait for anything. So uh, here's where he talks about that. And then Saturday, you will see everything coming. We decided to just throw Free Comic Book Day out there and say, you want to know what's coming next year? Go pick up Free Comic Book Day. We're just going to reveal everything. So I'm not going to reveal it here. But if you go out to Free Comic Book Day and look up this divergence issue, you will just see what the new status quo is, what the story is, all of that stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do. It's a lot of fun. Amanda, do you really not know who's in the Batsuit? I really don't. I'm going to have to go back and look at that episode because... I was sure I spoiled it because uh, I'm sure I knew who it was. Yeah, I, I don't. Or or I was so horrified that I blocked it out, like some sort of trauma. Well, that, that, that's very possible. That's why That's why when the doctor asks you to draw me, I look like a Ken doll. <laughs> <laughs> don't you, though? You go to hell. <laughs> I don't need to take that kind of abuse from you. I love you, sweetie. <laughs> uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Uh, anyway, so, I mean, yeah, after after he revealed all that stuff in the panel, and, and you've read, how are you feeling about the core Batman title at this point? No, I, I've, as a fan, I felt respected and, and cared for in that panel. It, it gently held and rocked <laughs> and burped. Nobody was leaving me in a wet spot. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a Ken doll. This is not the time. For, <laughs> this is not the time for me to 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 share with the audience what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Cry. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Thanks. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> but, but where I was going with this, I I felt. Like re-energized and wanted and 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 psyched to get back into the Bat Family books, which is exactly the purpose of one of these panels. It it recharged me as a fan. It got me hyped up. But there was there was substance to, to the hype. It wasn't just yay, we're awesome. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't yay, we're awesome, and we have awesome stuff for you, but we can't talk about any of it. It wasn't like this is a Batman book, and it's going to take place in Gotham, and it's going to be a lot of <laughs> Batman things happening in a very Batman kind of book about Batman. And who who isn't loving Batman? Just get out, <laughs> get the fuck out. 
We all love Batman, right? Who loves Batman? Yay! <laughs> if you don't love Batman, mob, destroy them. <laughs> no, the, the, and that's that's the the I think secret balancing act that if you if you get it right in these panels, where if you provide just enough substance to give the folks in the audience a reason to continue to be excited beyond we're all here because yay yeah <laughs> it's a panel like this really is the best that a comic convention has to offer yeah there was enough concrete information particularly about some sticky subjects like i don't know a new batman that you feel like you have a sense of what's coming and that you're in good hands with it you know, everybody on the panel, and granted, it was it really was Snyder talking for about seventy five percent of the panel, which is fine. He's the main Batman guy. Yeah. And there's uh, I've only got a few more clips left, but there there's one of them that that shows exactly where in the pecking order in the Batman group Scott Snyder is. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, you come out of it feeling excited and feeling like you've got not just qualified, but really good people who are really enthusiastic. You know, taking stewardship of this character in these books that we love. Yeah, and I, I even with as much as I generally prefer DC panels, I didn't get that feeling coming out of the new DC Universe panel, and I sure as shit didn't get it except for one or two comments coming out of the Secret Wars Last Days panel. So this one was the money shot for for me for for C two E two. I agree. So. All right, we've got some uh, uh, ephemera here. Um, oh, I, I missed one uh, plug thing. This is uh, Scott Snyder talking about... <laughs> actually, it's talking about uh, Patrick Gleason book, uh, Damien, Son of Batman. Okay. Um, that, which uh, I believe is debuting in June after Convergence. You know, part of it, so Damien, he comes back, it's classic, but it's also like him learning... Him, him just, he deserve, he's a character that deserves his own series. He's that big. He deserves something. And when Pat came in and pitched this stuff, and Pete, Pete really liked it as well, it was sort of about, you know what? It doesn't really make sense to bring him back and have him be Robin right away because it feels kind of duplicative or repetitive, you know? Give him some time to like have his own thing and his own mythology. So what Pat has come up with is so good. It really is. It's like world, world traveling, Damien with his crazy man-bat friend and everything. It's, it's beautiful. We can't stop here. This is bad country. <laughs> we were somewhere around Barstow, on the edge of the desert, when the drugs began to take hold. Actually, if that's what the book is like, I hate fucking Damian Wayne. I would buy the living hell out of that book. Damian tripping on acid with a pet man bat. I would love it because it would it would get um, every time I read, and I've said this in other other shows. Every time I read Damian Wayne in a book, I read him in Stewie Griffin's voice. And I really need to get some Stewie Griffin fucking sound clips on this because it, it, <laughs> the first time you pointed that out early on in Morrison's run, it's like, holy shit, that's exactly right. So if I could get that voice out of my head and start replacing it with Johnny Depp as Hunter Thompson, that would be great. Yeah, I might start actually liking the <laughs> They say They say you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Yeah, every time I read Damien Wayne, I'm like, Pennyworth, you bastard! <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> I do the shittiest fucking Stewie impression. It's I can only do butthead. Damn it, Pennyworth. <laughs> that would be awesome. Damn too. it, Bruth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get some nachos. Say Clayface shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, 
Clayface shouldn't have done that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it, yeah, and it could have been my future. It was still 1994. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, the the one other potential piece of news. I, I'm pretty sure they've announced that uh, they're doing a sequel to the Batman Eternal, another year-long series. But um, just in case, and this is a longer clip, uh, so I may interrupt to be a dick now and again, but uh, I've got some potential uh, Batman Eternal 2 spoilers. And, and yeah, this is the clip uh, where, where we see exactly where Scott Snyder uh, falls within the Bat group. See, that I feel okay spoiling, because I've said it by mistake in interviews already, so I feel like it's out there. All right, well, we're talking. Stuff's happening. You don't mind? <laughs> or do you mind if I say a little more about it? Or? Well, I, yeah. Okay, all right. You will, you will get less in trouble than I will. Yes. <laughs> Daddy Harris will beat me about the head, neck, and perineum. I will be destroyed utterly. Save me, Scott Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> totally unfair, because James Tinney in the fourth looks like a, a strapping young man who could... I don't know, smack Scott Lobdell. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Spreading back and get less in trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, Eternal, you guys, like, we really went into that not knowing how to write a 52-issue series. There, I, I know at times you're really bewildered by it, but um, we're incredibly proud of how it came out and the fact that you guys have been so supportive. And so, yeah, we're definitely talking about doing a second year. And because I've said, you know, it's also the 75th anniversary of a certain character. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Uh, well, so oh, I've said, because it's the 75th anniversary of Robin next year, um, some of the things we're talking about focusing on there are all the different Robins past, and creating a giant history. You're not, you're not texting, you're not texting Jeff, are you? Like Jeff Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we're really thrilled about it, and we're talking about it now. And that shows where Jeff Johns is on the packing order at DC. It goes from God to Jeff <laughs> to Scott to the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I generally, I generally like Batman Eternal. There were there were parts where I felt like a drag that definitely moved. It moved a lot from the beginning, and just the simple oh, Jim Gordon might have killed somebody to yet another almost utter destruction of Gotham City. As much as I love Gotham City as a setting and a character, that place would be fucking empty. It would look like New York City in Carpenter's Escape from New York. It where... would look like Detroit now. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's cold-blooded. Accurate, but cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah, just, just the most diehard of the diehards, like with assailable skill that only can be peddled in Gotham City. Yeah. yeah like, uh, I make Joker gas. I could do it in Detroit, but there doesn't seem to be much of a market for it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to a sequel. I mean, one generally focused on the Robins. Again, I'm not a big fan of Damian Wayne, but... Give me a reason to care. That's... <laughs> yeah, and seeing him seeing him getting stabbed in the chest in Batman Incorporated went a long way. <laughs> Unfortunately, then he came back to life. Well... Uh... In in theory, he is getting older, so he'll grow out of the douchebaggery. Yeah, we certainly said, did, didn't we? Questioning, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing Tim Drake more directly in the Batman family. It's felt yeah. with the new Fifty Two, like he's he's been certainly he's he's shown up, 
but it, he's felt more ancillary. Definitely, a, he's more focused in Teen Titans. It feels like yes. than the actual Batman family. Yeah, so. it it felt like they, they in putting him in that book kind of. I don't want to say sidelined him, but they were taking focus off of him as what had had been a re, a, a bit of a redemption for the character after Jason Todd. Yeah. You know, he was he was he was like the next great Robin. Uh you know, he had gone out of his way to to track Bruce down on his own, demonstrating his own uh detective skills. Well, he was the first one who didn't need Bruce Wayne. Right. Right up until Identity Crisis. Yeah. And and while I really still consider myself one of the and I know you do too, uh, among the the few defenders of that book, there are those out there who say it's the worst comic ever written and that's I think that's utter bullshit, but yeah, the one move in that that I've always sort of been, uh, it wasn't really necessary. You certainly use it for great effect in that book without any thought for the consequences later was was killing Tim Drake's father, yeah. making him an orphan, requiring him to... Need Batman. Yeah, because <laughs> that was a cool thing about Tim Drake. He didn't need Batman. He he wanted to be a part of this. He sought it out. Yeah. It, it... I was about to say, in a way that's kind of similar to to some of the ways they've told the Barbara Gordon story. Barbara has Jim Gordon at home. <laughs> yeah, um, she's doing this for the love of being involved in the Bat family, not because she needs Batman per se. Yeah, it was a very similar thing where, yeah, she just sort of injected herself as, "Yep, I'm Batgirl, and I'm in Gotham, and this is what I'm doing," and made herself part of the Batman family. Right. Now, whereas, yeah, Dick Grayson. Uh, yep, another orphan. Yeah, Jason Todd living on the streets. Collecting them like strays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not putting them down quick enough. <sighs> we got Jason Todd and we had we had Damien. We had both of them. God damn it. <sighs> Stupid right. Lazarus Pit. <laughs> all right, I think I'm beginning to get uh, fatigue hysteria here. Um, all right. All right so, so, so let's start moving. I've got a few clips that are... Uh, sort of specific to Batman 40. So why don't we go through those before we talk about the the book itself. Sounds good. So uh, I'll just sort of move uh, back up the list. And this is not specific to Batman 40, but uh, moving back toward Bruce Wayne and some of his his motivations. Um, Somebody at the panel asked whether Bruce and the fact that he is a billionaire and could potentially... And there was a Wondermark comic actually <laughs> recently that sort of addressed this. Yeah, actually. Which is, I love that strip. But why, if he's a billionaire, why does he think the solution to Gotham's ills is uh, going into the street and punching the insane in the face um, when he has all this money? So this is Snyder talking about Batman and his relationship to his wealth and whether or not he actually needs it. To me, his wealth is vestigial. It doesn't really matter if he's rich or poor. I know it sounds silly, but I just think that's a holdover from like the 1930s. You have to be a kind Robert Baron kind of weird thing. And what we've tried to do with, with Zero Year and with other things is show that for us at least on the book, and maybe it's not true for everybody, but for Greg and me working on the book, Batman, really, it doesn't matter if he has money or he doesn't. And he actually doesn't have money. Uh, coming up because we took it away. It's not like living under a bridge, but still, like he's, he's not wealthy. All I can picture is the Lego song. <laughs> Millions of dollars, kind of helps. And so the idea is basically what he's about is this determination to take a random act of violence or things that, that your fears and turn them into motivation to do something good for the city. And how he needs to be faceless and folk hero in certain ways so that anyone can project their own 
who can project themselves onto him. And he, he, he needs to be somebody who is faceless in these things so that you can identify with him. And he can be anybody. He can be you. And that last part really just about ties directly into into Batman 40 and how Endgame yeah. kind of ended up. So, yeah, let's let's just go through these clips and then let's let's talk about the book. Okay. So, uh this is Snyder earlier on in the panel talking about uh sort of greater themes of Batman and the Joker and what Snyder believes these two characters actually stand for at least within the context of the the books that he's been writing. If the clip actually starts. And in some ways, Joker doesn't really understand Batman because what he thinks is that for us, Batman is a symbol of meaning. You know, dealing with uh, anxiety and depression at times and stuff like that, one of the things that Batman's been really important to me about is saying no matter how, how hopeless things seem and how bad things seem and how meaningless things seem, you need to turn that into motivation and energy to change things and to get up and make your life matter. And Joker is sort of a character to me that's always been about laughing at that and saying life means nothing. It, it, but pizza and hookers. You know, open your eyes, 10 minutes, uh, 10 seconds, close them, that's life. That's it. Nothing matters. And I laugh at you. I'm, I'm the person that laughs at you forever for thinking that you have any significance. You're just us. I'm the pale man. You're nothing. And so this story has been largely about a battle of that, about Batman saying, make your life mean something, and Joker saying, it never means anything. Yeah, Joker saying, <laughs> is that a thing you can say? Sure. <laughs> The Joker is known for giving the raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Although with the scars in his face, at least from Dark Knight, I don't know how one would manage that, but... They managed it on the animated series. All right. And that's as close to any kind of Batman canon as I'm willing to accept. Yes. Yep, <laughs> that is in fact Batman. So I've got one more clip on... Uh, and, and this has spoilers for the actual issue, although when we do the review, we're going to spoil the living shit out of it. So, If you if, haven't read it yet. <laughs> yes, if you don't want to be spoiled on what happens in Batman 40, now is the time to punt out, although this is really a pretty funny clip. and <laughs> just, just, just be spoiled, for Christ's sake. Snyder's a funny prick. He put on a good goddamn panel, and you show some fucking respect. We wanted it to be like the end of all Batman, and I gotta say, like, FCO the colorist and Greg. See, end of all Batman. Laugh riot. And Danny, the way that they've mixed colors from like Brian Boland and Dark Knight Returns, and to make it feel like it's just apocalyptic, he's Joker with a chainsaw, he dances with Martha Wayne's skeleton, it's just out of control. It's, I know it's this mean, I know it's mean, right? I mean, he's dancing with Martha Wayne's skeleton, and then he tells this Joker, he's like, You're still laying on your feet. Will you marry me? I know it's a shot in the dark. And then he's like, What? I Just the idea of, of someone with a big bro voice. He needs chainsaw! See, I picture that in, in Beavis's voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to party with you, cowboy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he needs a chainsaw. Damn it, Beavis. <laughs> Damn it, Scott. He needs a chainsaw. <laughs> it's the only impression I can do, for Christ's oh, yeah, sake. chainsaw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so you want to talk about the actual issue? Yes. All right, so, yes, Batman 40, uh, written by uh, Scott Snyder, who you have heard from uh, this evening. I would hope you would remember who wrote it at yes. this point. Yes, <laughs> and drawn by, he needs a chainsaw, Greg Capullo. Uh, it is the end of Batman Endgame, and as we've 
talked about in this show. We we reviewed probably at this point half of them at least. Yeah, Uh, this was an arc that, at least for me, I had real problems with. He really, Snyder was really leaning in toward the intimation that the Joker was an immortal and had been haunting Gotham for centuries and centuries <laughs> and sort of he was providing some evidence that it could be the case some that maybe it wasn't the case and i was really starting to get the feeling of oh god if he really does this he's lost me and i don't want to say he stuck the landing a hundred percent but this is a very satisfying ending and while I don't think the overall arc is one of the great Batman Joker stories, this is a really good Batman Joker issue. So I think this is a story I will want to revisit maybe three years from now, or even like give it a year away from it and then come back to it and then see how I, especially in a trade where I can just go, but dump, but dump, but dump, dump. Yeah, because it, it really invoked a lot of strong feelings in me early on where it's like, I can't believe you're fucking doing this, you son of a bitch. And he did it well enough that, yeah, okay, there's some real potential validity to the idea of the Joker as an immortal force, which I still maintain. If if that had become canon, would have been utterly wrongheaded and misunderstanding of the relationship between Batman and Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll just spoil it right out of the gate. It, it turns out that's not the case. We'll, we'll get into that in a little <laughs> detail as we go along. I mean, overall, I mean, what what was your opinion of some of the stuff that was in it? We can certainly get specific. You can go broad to start with, whatever. Um, I, I like that there were some classic elements. We have uh, seemingly at the beginning of the book... Batman leading a force into battle that includes the extended Bat family and his general um, gallery of, of villains. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't get rogues. He just has other villains. <laughs> Batman Batman has rogues. Well. It's not like Flash's, ooh, it's the rogues gallery. They're kind of rogues. <laughs> it's a hell of a thing to call a cannibalistic walking crocodile a rogue. Oh, that. That rapscallion, he ate another baby. <laughs> so it doesn't really fit, I guess, but you can call him rogues. It's, it's a murder of Seikos. And a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> That's pretty close. <laughs> In any event, uh, so, you know, he's, he's a general on the field. He's giving Bane specific orders. He's giving Ivy specific orders. And, and then when it seems like we're at the worst of this particular battle and and his uh, face mask has been shattered and Joker gas, or not even Joker gas, it's supposed to be some sort of fatal nerve gas is getting in there while Joker is, is, is you know, taunting him. It turns out, double blind, it's Dick Grayson. It's not really Batman. And fuck you, Joker. <laughs> now, see, the first time I read through the issue, that was really effective to me. And the second time through is when I stopped and went, Wait, wait, wait a minute. Isn't Dick Grayson under deep cover with Spiral? I had that question also. Doesn't the world think that Dick Grayson's been dead since Forever Evil? Yeah. 
but also Gotham is going to hell in a handbasket right now. So, <laughs> so he took a personal day from Spiral. <laughs> <laughs> Helena, I have to call in sick. <laughs> I've got the green apple quick step. I'm really going to need a day. <laughs> I've got the bat flu. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, he'd give up his cover, goddammit. <laughs> I've... Guy. <laughs> it was really effective the first time I read it through. It was, it was the second time where I stopped and thought. And look, it gave an excuse for Dick to tell a dick joke. <laughs> or, well, not really a dick joke. At least call the Joker a dick in sort of a thinly veiled, family-friendly-ish kind of way. Yes. You know, for the little toddler death stroke in the writer's life, I guess. <laughs> but still, all right. It, it, I love how DC in the last six months or so has just sort of decided his name's Dick. Use the dick. Do the dick reference. <laughs> God damn it. Oh. Shit, I can't find the fucking button. That's Never okay. mind. We'll move on. So I, I I liked that that bit of a double blind up front. They got my dick message! Found it. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> you get both hands on that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um I I liked I like the continued involvement of, of Julia Penny, too. I think she's like a, one of the great new characters they've added to the Bat family. Uh, since Eternal, I, I've really enjoyed having her around. You know, God knows I love Alfred. How can you not fucking love Alfred you know, if you're a Batman fan? But yeah, somebody a little higher energy, you know, who can more realistically, it feels, jump into the field and do stuff. And just somebody who is in the Batman family who has not been around from the beginning who gets much higher emotion because it takes a while to sort of become inured to the idea that, Oh, my boss is battling to the death in a cave with gas. And must be Tuesday. Yeah. And the city might collapse. And yeah, Alfred's been seeing that shit since zero year, but <laughs> so I do enjoy having her around. Um, I, I enjoyed the final battle between Batman and Joker. And and as final battles go, this was particularly brutal. Oh, it was goddamn glorious. And and whenever whenever I saw uh, Batman take the 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 Joker card to the eye, I'm like, ooh, how do you come back from that? And, yeah. <laughs> and 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 the burn on the face, and but then I'm like, well, you know, he's he's a millionaire. I suppose he could get surgery. <laughs> well, and, and let's face it, it's also a comic book. Uh, you yeah. take two six inch knives to your shoulder blades. Um, you're talking collapsed lungs. You don't keep fighting. It was just cool to look at. Yeah. I'm willing to take on faith that Bruce Wayne has a spectacular plastic surgeon on staff somewhere. Lucius Fox will make some sort of excellent like prosthetic eye that will be robotic and <laughs> yeah, he, he'll just have lucius will make something you click to your collar that gives you a hologram face to hide the the living horror <laughs> of the scarred one-eyed well I, I guess that that snyder won't be able to he had a whole thing where he talked about how he tried to make bruce wayne sexy <laughs> oh shit i forgot to play that one can you find it uh yeah shit okay um yeah this one's not too long yeah there was somebody in the uh yeah, sorry to break on the interview, a uh, break on the review like this. But yeah, there was somebody in the crowd who asked you know, why everybody seemed to be so obsessed with Dick Grayson's ass. Because it's his ass. And yeah, it, Snyder started talking about uh, how, you know, it, you know, Bruce Wayne needs love too. I was going to say something about, about Bruce. That I have fought that with Bruce to try to make Bruce attractive. It just never works. But I'm like, 
Because he's attractive, but it's always like, oh, look at this, it's Bruce, you know, shirtless, doing this, and then nobody responds. <laughs> but, calendar, just Bruce. Just <laughs> really stern. I love the idea. They should get on this for, if not free comic book day, maybe like the the, the Christmas season. You know, you Marvel say, gives out free calendars. Uh, they do, but you know, you say that, but uh, Marvel tried a beefcake and cheesecake calendar back in the '90s, and it's so deeply, deeply saddening and embarrassing. No, they should give it to Amanda Connor. What to beefcake Bruce up? Yeah, because it would have a sense of goofiness to it, even though he's standing there looking stern. Google Marvel cheesecake calendar Punisher, <laughs> and if you can still fucking see when you're done with that, you tell me you want the goddamn Bruce Wayne beefcake calendar. God damn it! <laughs> I love the idea. shirtless, just wearing the cowl. <laughs> oh Jesus! You're an imbecile. Stop that shit. Oh, look, he's standing on the moon, shirtless in a cowl. Oh, God. <laughs> um, in any event. Back to Batman 40. <laughs> that's where I was going. Our review already in progress. <laughs> in, in any event, um, there were nice touches within the, the gore and carnage of that fight that as, as Joker and Batman are in the... I hesitate to say the death throes of the fight. Uh, well, that that's what we're meant to infer yeah, from what we're seeing. They are lying down in a pool of blood that is heart-shaped. <laughs> well, of course. And, and I, have, I had to point it out to you. <laughs> yeah, well, you did, and I did miss it, but I, I have since read that uh, th- that was done on purpose by Kapoor. I mean, he's, he's too good an artist for this particular book to not do that on purpose. Yeah. But... But yeah, that ear bite... Oh, yeah, there's a moment where Batman and Joker are fighting, and I, as I'm sitting on the floor of our living room reading this, and, and Rob had already read it, I, I call over and I'm like, did he just bite Joker on the ear like he's Mike Tyson? And I went, <laughs> yes, he did. And I said, that doesn't seem classy. That, seemed, that doesn't seem like Bruce. <laughs> but you know what? This this is the final you know final battle between the two, and if, if Bruce has always been the mask and Batman is the character... Batman is not civilized. <laughs> and that is true. But, I mean, that's... Biting someone's ear, thanks to Mike Tyson, is almost shorthand for this is now not a civilized fight. Yeah. And just that semaphore, for me, put this fight in a level of brutality against the Joker that really, <laughs> in my mind, I'm in my mind it flashed. It's like... Okay, we're talking uh, Dark Knight Returns, almost busted neck, um, end of death in the family, ready to kill almost anybody Batman, thanks to what Joker did. It was really effective for me. So, yeah, moving through there. So, near the end of it, uh, we have a moment where... uh... They, are they stalactites or stalagmites if they're on the ceiling? Uh, it's a pointy on, rock thing. If they're on the ceiling, uh, it's a stalactite. Okay. Uh, because C for ceiling, stalagmite, G for ground. Ah. Thank you, fourth grade science. I learned a thing today. 
so so yeah, that a falls really worthwhile thing you're welcome from the ceiling and uh seemingly breaks joker's back which makes you think huh i remember when bane broke the bat's back yeah <laughs> so there's there's that moment um and then moving on from there when alfred wakes up the next morning because julia has opened the blinds that felt like every scene we've ever seen where alfred was opening the blinds to a grumpy bruce actually yeah shit i didn't make that connection that's really smart yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the the sort of nice uh alfred narrative over the final panels which calls back to pretty much all of the nolan movies <laughs> well just about but b- b- before we get to the ending um one thing i want to reference at the end of the fight after joker's back is broken when joker is going for the dionysium and batman basically just grabs him and puts dead weight on him yeah and and does the whole ploy of i believe you you have to forgive me for ever doubting you (laughs) that you were the pale man and superhuman and immortal and basic and, and joker just gets more and more desperate over this ploy this psychological ploy from batman trying to convince him to get off of him so he can get to the Dionysium because yeah, he's not fucking immortal. He found this shit and it jacked them up for a while and he needs some more to yeah. you know, heal his fucking broken ass neck. So, and just when Joker finally becomes desperate with a psychological warfare, just as the Dionysium is cut off forever, it just, it felt like Batman turning the Joker's own tactics on him and just yanking the hope rug out from under him the way Joker has been trying to do for not just five issues, but any time that Snyder has written them, it was just a really satisfying, yeah, fuck you, Jack. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. The tables are turned. Yeah. Basically, Batman won by playing a practical joke on the Joker, and that's fucking awesome. It is. So, do we want to talk about the the ending of this now? Yes. Okay. So, the ending of the story is left somewhat ambiguous. Uh, Alfred reads a note that Bruce had left behind with Julia. Yep. That was one word and came across as cryptic. (laughs) Yep. And And I will be interested in hearing your interpretation of that. Well, the word was ha. Well, yeah. But actually, before we get to that, the one thing I want to address is Alfred's comment that Batman's story by nature is a tragedy yes and that really hit home for me because it should be it starts as a tragedy with the death of his parents he isolates himself for his entire life on this mission that he can never win if your mission is to stop crime you've kind of already lost you know that's that's as close to yeah man fuck those windmills as you're gonna get (laughs) in an urban environment um, and it, it, Alfred makes some comments along the lines that uh, Batman is admitting that at, at his core he's flawed. Um, I'm not sure that I agree with Alfred's point that he's flawed. I, I think he saw his mission through. <laughs> well, yeah. And on his own terms. Well, particularly his mission against Joker, because what particularly struck me was that that final note of ha he defeated his nemesis and 
proved that he was not a supernatural force, but just a human obstacle that could be overcome. And he did that seemingly ending his life to do it and not just turning his own tactics against him, but literally turning Joker's final message from death of the family where he sent the formula for whatever the element was that was H.A. Right. Turning his own message back against him. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting with, with the ending is that that am- ambiguous final panel, which, according to some news sites, is the harness from the opera house that is referenced in a previous issue yeah, that was that- used as a deus ex machina. Yeah, it was in uh, episode th- uh, episode issue thirty five, uh, which was the first issue of Endgame, and it was yeah somebody at the the Gotham Theater who said it was the harness for the character of Apollo who came down as a Deus Ex Machina Machina. I never know how to pronounce it. Um, and, and the reason it was so intricate, the the guy said, was because he wanted the spectators to feel like God had actually been sent to save them. So as a visual of, but it's also, it's a harness to raise someone off the ground. So it it could have just been under his suit because they were trying to pull him out of there with a a winch and pulley at the end of the the issue before Joker came. Well, yeah. And and to me, it works on a potential couple levels. It could be a practical sort of eye toward, yes, uh, here is a harness and whether it's this harness or something similar you can get people off the ground and, you know, for example, Batman out of a hole in the <laughs> ground. So on a practical matter, yeah, he could have gotten out. But, you know, also it, it works on that level and also the level of, yeah, God came and saved Gotham. I mean, and certainly Batman is not God, but the the idea of you know, a symbol came from nowhere when there was no hope to save everybody. So it it worked as sort of potentially a wink and a nod for it. Yeah, he got out. You know, just because it looks like <laughs> this infinite force was destroyed, you can get them off the ground. But also as a final sort of nod toward how people must see Batman, must see any superhero. Well, it also ties into, they're talking about uh, the cover going forward where uh, Batman is hanging Batlake upside down from a blimp. That <laughs> That yeah. is very much a, a deus ex machina, you know, the, the super powered creature coming in apropos out of nowhere to save the day uh, yes watching us from above and yeah. casting a heavenly light upon sinners and, and i feel bad about reading batman there's a whole lot of jesus shit in there in there although if i if i want to be horribly cynical about it deus ex machina was used as a device in greek plays when the writer got themselves into a pickle and they couldn't figure out how to get out of the scene and end the damn play well <laughs> Yeah. Oh, look, it's God. He'll save us. <laughs> yes, mortals. Yes, and certainly almost anything that requires a resurrection in comics is almost the same goddamn thing. But I'm just, just going to gently put that there. How <laughs> how dare you? You're infringing upon my deeply held religious beliefs. I'm an extremely religious man. Yes, I'm a Mormon. That's why I just smoked a pack of Newport and drank three vodka tonics. Every once in a while, I got an on-point sound clip that just works for you something do. I'm screaming out. You do. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to overthink it. it. Given the incredibly complex and, and 
up and down story arc that Snyder put together for him to be able to to tie it together that neatly. Um, that neatly and in that satisfying a way. Yeah. You know, it, we we all know that this new Batman is not going to last forever. Bruce Wayne will be back. Bruce Wayne is not dead. But if Batman had been canceled, if this was the final Batman story, it's a pretty satisfying one. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, it, it is a, a tragedy. This guy gave his life to save Gotham. And the Batman story should be a tragedy. That's why I like Dark Knight Returns so much. Yeah. You know, because Batman, not necessarily Bruce Wayne, but Batman died alone where his parents were killed, fighting the very symbol, in comic books anyway, of hope with not only his city against him, but the entire country. And he died destroying hope. <laughs> and certainly Bruce Wayne didn't die, but Batman was dead, and now he's literally buried alive in a cave with no family, no home, no money, just acolytes, so that he can pass his desperate, hateful mission on to another generation. <laughs> that's a tragic ending. And that's why Dark Knight Strikes Again is such a useless, vestigial piece of human garbage. We don't... I read it again on the toilet the other day, and it just doesn't work for me. And I don't want a Dark Knight 3. Dark Knight Returns was good enough. And this is good enough. This, frankly, at least is a little uplifting. Because yeah. that that last... If Batman's last word is a laugh, that means, it, it, in this one at least, he saved his city. He proved that the Joker is not something that can't be overcome. And so, Yes, he's his greatest nemesis. He rose to the occasion and defeated him, and it destroyed him doing it, but he it, it's not because it was supernatural. It was it, just something that he had to defeat, and he was able to overcome it. So there's at least a bright spot in the tragedy. So if this had to be the last Batman story, eh, do I think it's as solid as Dark Knight? Uh, I don't know. I read Dark Knight when I was 16. That's always going to have this place in my heart. But this is pretty solid. And considering I was ready to write Snyder off on Batman a month ago, so I'm impressed. What you're saying is it was a ultimately satisfying last days story without the hype of being a last days story. Well, you know, it's, it's a story about Batman in the Batman style, starring Batman in Batman City. Doing who, Batman things. Doing Batman things. And who doesn't love Batman? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were about to fire off some pithy clip. I thought I was going to. I couldn't find one. Um, <laughs> eh, fuck it. <laughs> so, our, my my takeaway that I, I, would, I would say is if you have not read Endgame yet, or if you started it and then stopped because you were having doubts... Uh, nut up, get back in there, get the issues, read the story. It's worth it. Even if you punched out, you know, and I can see people punching out on this story, feeling the same way of you're going to make the Joker an immortal, you know, feeling the way that I did. You know, frankly, we buy more comics than probably almost anybody because we do a comics radio show yeah. on the internet. So we need to be reading a lot of stuff. So I certainly was never going to drop Batman, but if, if there are people who did, or if you cut out for zero year or whatever 
even if you come into this cold, Batman beats the shit out of Joker. Joker beats the shit out of Batman. There's an old school 80s Tim Burton movie style Joker parade at the beginning of it. Yep. And on paper, it could serve as a reasonable last Batman story. It's worth reading on its own. But yeah, you should probably get the trade when it comes out. Yeah, read, read, it, read it as a trade. <laughs> All right. How are we doing on time? Because I think we're about done. Uh, it's about an hour and 34 minutes. Good Lord. This, even this one went longer than I thought it was going to. We had lots to say. Yeah, we did. And uh, had some of that uh, thinking lubricant. Yeah. And I'm almost out of it. So let's oh, wrap no. the show up. So, yes, this is our final show of C2E2 coverage. If you're sick of the sound of our own voice, uh, of our voices, rather, because uh, I'm sick of the sound of my own voice at this point, uh, we are going back to our regular schedule. Uh, we will be putting up an episode on Sunday. We'll be doing it weekly after that. Um, can we can we uh, discuss what the topic of, of Sunday will be for those that are Well, listening? I mentioned it uh, at the top of the show, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, I mean... Uh, Look, man, Age of Ultron comes out. Age of Ultron is out tonight, actually, at least at our local theater. Yes. So we'll be talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, and we've got uh, a couple of uh, really cool guests, um, yeah, a Boston comedian, a New York comedian, both inveterate geeks and funny motherfuckers. So you definitely want to check that Give show out. Give it a listen. Yes. But in the meantime, uh, that is it. This has been episode 68 of 68. the... Crisis on Infinite Midlife show, the final C2E2 2015 coverage. Thank if, you for sticking with us for the whole convention. Yeah, if you if you've been listening uh, and and came across us just recently, uh, know that you can find us in a variety of places on the internets. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Yes, we um, uh, have a website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Yep. We are on Facebook. You can find the link to our Facebook that we don't often use because we're, I mean, I mean, these posts will go up there, but we don't Facebook. We're not, not that kind of people, but we get messages through there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we always appreciate feedback. Uh, so you can find us there and shoot us a message. We have an email, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Rob, we have a Twitter. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> at infinite midlife. Um, on, on the Twitter. Rob, we have a Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> this one I know. Crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com um, You can also find us on TuneIn Radio. And uh, I think I covered pretty exhaustively where one can find us on the internet. Also on iTunes. Oh, also on iTunes. Yeah, how can I forget like the big behemoth that has... <laughs> but, yeah, you know what? As an incentive to follow us on any of the social media uh, devices or platforms or whatever, I talked in yesterday's episode about how I was going to re-encode the entire panel audio of all the three panels we talked about and put them somewhere on the internet. I still have not found a place to put them, but when I do, uh, I will be announcing it across Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr. So if you got any interest in hearing how these entire panels sounded, you know, you bored on a big commute and want to hear the big silence of people wandering up to a microphone to go, you're awesome. You'll be able to get it. And... Without us interjecting to add a dick joke. <laughs> Which probably is very attractive to many people. But. <laughs> so yeah, follow us on on one of those items, and uh, I'll be putting up a separate uh, blog post that will propagate to all of those to tell you where to find them once I find a place to stick them. Yes. But 
I think otherwise that is it. Yes. So this has been episode 68 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Derp. So I don't have to hear myself in headphones for a couple days, right? Nope. Oh, thank God. You don't really look like a Ken doll. <laughs> thank you.